You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When the red light goes, uh, take two. When the red light goes off, we're just getting started. This is Off Air with Chris Thomas and Mike Conti, giving you a look behind the scenes of Atlanta's top sports station as we take you through the top stories of the week from the world of sports and entertainment. Welcome to Off Air. All right, welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome on in to the latest episode of the Off Air Podcast. Chris Thomas joined by the head honcho, Mike Boom Yakamakis Conti. As once again, that was a theme throughout the weekend. And he even got a little shout out from the official Atlanta United Twitter account. That was pretty cool. I saw that this weekend. So, Mike, we said it on this podcast. It's going to catch fire, and I think it's happening. I uh, yeah, well, I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like just, I said, just he, happy to be there. I'm just uh, no, I mean, like again, it, it he's doing all the work. I'm just telling people what happened and having a little fun with it. So uh, I mean, it's all about him. It has nothing to do with me. But you're doing it with such flair and such reverence that I feel like we need to hype you up as much as we possibly can. I'm good. Let's talk about Tiger. Okay, fair enough. Listen, I'll get my cheap plugs in another time. Um, this weekend was obviously uh, disappointing for several reasons at the Masters. One, because they had to suspend play. It uh, screwed up the entire schedule for those of us who plan our entire weekends around watching the Masters. And then two, we had to see Tiger hobbling around the course, and it was uh, not a pretty sight. There's one uh, short little video that went viral of him quite literally not being able to put any pressure on his leg uh, and sort of hopping back to get underneath an umbrella. It was really a sad scene, honestly. Um, But nonetheless, Rombo comes up clutch and wins his first green jacket. Uh, Mike, what did you make of the event, the way things unfolded and the unfortunate situation for Mr. Woods? Well, first of all, you know, you're right. It it was kind of herky-jerky all weekend with all the the stoppages due to weather, but yesterday or as we record this uh yesterday sunday i thought was a terrific day for Mm. just sitting back and watching the masters in two different windows which i thought was a lot of fun um and it i just thought for whatever reason even in years where you have weather and stoppages and you know you have to go split t's or 36 holes or whatever you still more often than not, get a Sunday that does not miss. And Sunday, again, this year did not miss. And I thought John Rahm was a really popular winner. But you had all this kind of intrigue behind him, Kepka kind of blowing up a little and showing that he's human. Mickelson being the live golfer who actually had the <laughs> biggest day, which was shocking. 
And then CBS not interviewing him after he shot 65 on Sunday, which uh, I, I want to take a moment just on that. Yeah. I thought that was astonishing, astonishing <laughs> that CBS did not interview Phil Mickelson after that round. The only, And I need to hear an explanation. I, I don't believe CBS has provided one yet. Unless the explanation is he declined or he had to go to the range to, to warm up for a playoff, it is totally unacceptable from a journalistic standpoint to not interview Phil Mickelson after that round when he was the clubhouse leader and shot a 65 on the last day. Yeah. Totally, totally ethically bankrupt. If CBS <laughs> did not do that interview, for any other reason than Mickelson declining to do the interview. Because let's read between the lines here. CBS is a broadcast partner of the PGA Tour. The PGA mm -hmm. Tour and the Live Tour, obviously, there is quite a bit of animosity between the two dueling tours right now. I'm sure the PGA does not, or PGA Tour, does not want one of its broadcast partners uh, promoting anything about the Live Tour. So one is to assume that an unexplained decision by CBS to not interview the clubhouse leader, who was the clubhouse leader for about three hours on Sunday, one can only assume that the PGA Tour exerted some kind of pressure on CBS to do that. So CBS needs to explain it. Uh, I thought that was awful. And you can tell I'm getting really wound up about it. Um, that is not correct. If you have the rights to cover an event you have to cover all aspects of it, whether or not you like who's at the top of the leaderboard. Uh, I thought CBS completely failed. Again, if Phil declined to do the interview or had to go to the range or the putting green to warm up, I get it. Because he could have been in a playoff. Uh, but then he, it, we need to be told that. Uh, they they managed an interview with Brooks Kapka. They managed to shoehorn that in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they, they, they did not manage to interview Phil Mickelson. And I, I just, I find that very, very suspicious. Now, do, all that, do you bad. think, uh, do you think they were holding their breath when Kepka was falling back on Sunday oh. and, and raising a glass that they wouldn't have to deal with him winning the tournament? I mean, potentially. Yeah, potentially. I, I don't know. Uh, but again, I, I think Rom was a very popular win and, and he played well. And I thought he played a really, really cerebral final round where he and he even talked about how he, he was conservative on amen corner when he saw mickelson and speed kind of making their push and once he saw that mickelson was in at eight he felt like with the wind blowing a little bit more favorably on 13 he could be more aggressive i, I thought strategically he just played a beautiful final round you know the tiger thing yeah that that is hard to see um you'd never like seeing an idle kind of break down like that and and i hate to use the term break down but he just kind of looked broken down yeah and i do wonder if the weather had something to do with that you know if it's kind of cold and raw and it brings like almost like an arthritis uh factor into play uh you just hate seeing that you really you don't want to see one of your idols struggle in the way that tiger did uh i'll admit that you know, I uh, admire and appreciate Tiger Woods and his game, and I think he's done a tremendous amount for the game of golf. There have been things with his on-course behavior that I have found to be very unsavory. I, I think he's kind of grown out of that a little. Mm -hmm. But, I, you know, 
10, 15 years ago, I thought his on-course behavior was was very, very unsavory. Throwing clubs, swearing, uh, dispatching his caddy into the gallery to throw cameras into creeks and lakes and things like that. Um, it, you would never see Tom Watson do that. You'd never see <laughs> Jack Nicholas do that or, or Arnold Palmer or, you know, even Fred Couples or, um, you know, Ernie Els or anyone like that. Uh, and I thought Tiger kind of benefited from the national golf media, quite frankly, looking the other way on that for a long time. So uh, I do not idolize Tiger Woods in the same way that many others do. I definitely admire and respect his game. And he is one of the transcendent athletes of our generation. And I took no pleasure, no pleasure whatsoever uh, in seeing him break down the way he did over the weekend. But Tiger not playing in the final round did nothing to impact my enjoyment of the final round. Does right. that make he was, it's not like he was in it anyway. So. He wasn't really in it anyway. Yeah. So, like, I, I know, um, you know, our Rusty Manzel was tweeting on Saturday morning about how CBS was getting kind of nervous if, if Tiger would even make the cut or not. You know, to me, I'm kind of thinking – all right, so what if he does at this point? He's yeah. he's 10 shots back. He's not going to win. How much are they really going to show of him? Um, so, I mean, there again, that's where, you know, if I'm going to criticize CBS for not interviewing Mickelson, I have to kind of praise them at the same time. I thought they did a very good job of at least keeping their collective eye on the ball. And they did show Mickelson. They showed pretty much every shot of him. I mean, it's not like they were ignoring Mickelson entirely. I just want an explanation of why they didn't interview him. But I thought CBS did a pretty good job of just keeping their eye on the ball, showing the leaders, showing the action, showing the relevant shots on the course. Yeah, if there's a you know a crazy shot here or there, someone comes close on 16, or if a big name makes a little bit of a push, they would go to that. But I, I thought the balance of what they were showing on Sunday was the correct balance. Keeping their... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I on the ball. I see, what right. you did yeah. I see what you did there, Mike. Unintended. Yes. All right. So from one thing you're very passionate about to another, and that is broadcast snacks. Because, yes. because I saw a tweet this weekend, which caught my eye for sure, especially as a lover of this product we are about to mention. Uh, apparently... Frenchie, Jeff Francoeur, Braves broadcaster, does a great job with Brandon Godden now on Valley Sports, is a big fan of the oatmeal cream pie because Brandon took a snapshot uh, of Frenchie's station before they went on the air, and he had a stack of about four or five oatmeal cream pies that I'm assuming were to be his rocket fuel for <laughs> getting through a nine-inning game. So a couple of things here, Mike. I really want to break this down with you to a fine powder. Um, how common of that? I feel like that is a an interesting and eclectic choice to be a snack that you would consume during a broadcast. So as a broadcaster for multiple teams, A, what is your broadcast strategy with food? And B, what is your favorite broadcast snack? So my broadcast strategy with 
food, especially for Atlanta United, where I'm doing play-by-play and I have to talk more, is to eat as little as possible within, say, three hours of the broadcast. Mm. Uh, For a couple different reasons. Uh, One, you want to be very careful that you don't eat something that could... Trigger, trigger certain, trigger certain bodily reactions. Uh, <laughs> that would be very inconvenient if uh, you can't run away to a, a restroom or something like that. So you have to be really careful about that. The other thing that I have to be really careful about is not consuming anything, you know, food, food or drink wise, that's going to uh, cause me to want to belch. Mm. Uh, you know, something that that's going to, you know produce some gas in the, you know, the, the throat or something like that and, and cause me to belch. So I have to be really, really careful. Uh, and I know this sounds very, very silly, but trust me, if you're not able to use the bathroom for three or four hours and you're looking at that cheeseburger that's in the press box, um, uh, <laughs> it is a risk reward analysis that you have to go through. Right. Um, so I do not, eat before or during a broadcast after a broadcast uh boy i'm looking for the very first thing i can get my hands on um so like for for example um the atlanta united game this past saturday i didn't eat anything i actually i did eat something before um because we're at yankee stadium their their press box cafeteria is pretty good I think I had some, what I have, maybe some soup, but, but something that, that wasn't going to like make me sick, uh, might've even just been a cookie. I don't remember, but something that wasn't going to make me sick, but I was still really hungry after the game. So as we were getting on the plane, uh, they offered peanut butter and jelly sandwiches when we were going up the ramp. So I, I took a couple of those, uh, because by the time I get on the plane, I am ravenous. They, uh, they have food in the locker room for the team. Like, usually they give them pizza. Um, I don't go into the locker room because I feel like that's the player's space. I don't yeah. I don't belong in there. Uh, so I usually miss out on the locker room pizza, and I have to wait for the, the PB&J. For a home game, I mean, I hate to admit this, I'm usually hitting a drive-thru on the way home <laughs> because I'm so hungry. You know, drink-wise, um, Steve Holman does this too. I don't know if he he taught me this or if this is something I was already doing and he learned it for me, sparkling water hmm. is a really, really good thing to have, um, during a broadcast. Yeah. And it's something about the, the carbonation. I don't know. This might just be a placebo effect. I don't know, but I just feel like the carbonation on my throat breaks up stuff in my throat and and makes it a little bit easier for me to talk. I know that sounds really, really crazy and I could be totally off. Um, They tell you don't drink soda, don't drink alcohol during games. I mean, obviously I would never drink alcohol. I do drink Coke Zero just because it's my kind of guilty pleasure. Uh, But I can tell like when you get syrup on the throat, that's not good for you. Uh, So long story short, you know, the oatmeal cream pies for Frenchie are probably really good instant energy. And I can probably get away with eating that during a game because it's not going to make me sick. But the problem is we don't take commercial breaks during soccer. It's so true. there's no real time for me to eat. Yeah. You're... Dominique Wilkins. Dominique. Constantly eating popcorn. Popcorn? Constantly eating 
popcorn. If I had to get a Mount Rushmore of food and drink not to eat during a broadcast, I'd think popcorn would be up there. Dominique constantly eating popcorn. And there was a moment when I, when I was doing a game with him up in New York this year uh, where he forgot that he flipped his microphone up to eat popcorn and he tried to say something and his mic wasn't active. And I had to kind of tap him on the shoulder and tell him to do that. He is always eating popcorn the way that you and I would eat popcorn watching a movie. That is fascinating because you, yeah. you run into scratchy throat, yep. kernel stuck in the teeth, God forbid, and yep. you're doing then you're doing the tongue move in the middle of a broadcast trying to get a kernel out. I mean, yep. that, that seems like if I, again, that would be on the, that and maybe like something that is covered in hot sauce. Like th- those things are making the Mount Rushmore of things not to eat during a but, broadcast. True. But you got to remember too on TV. And I think Jeff Rancourt could probably attest to this. The words per minute out of your mouth in TV. is probably a very small fraction of the words per minute out of your mouth in radio. Especially again, on guy, radio. Yeah. I have to describe everything. On TV, the pictures do the talking, and the analyst just needs to provide context. So the best analysts are the ones that say the least. I think we probably had that conversation a little bit with Tony Romo, right? A couple months ago. Yeah. You know, the best analysts are the ones who feel like they don't need to say so much. Um, And so that's where, like, again, Dominique, yeah, he can eat popcorn because he doesn't have to say a whole lot. That's do his job check. correctly. He checked, Bob. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, or again, like that's, that's his style and it works. And, and he has plenty of time to eat popcorn between his words. Now, are you surprised somebody as fit and lean as Jeff Francoeur goes to the oatmeal cream pie for this? That, that was well, a little shocking to me as well. Here's the thing though. Like this is very, this is very interesting. There's actually a researcher, I think at the university of Kansas who did something called the Twinkie diet. Oh my God. And he decided he was going to try to lose weight only by eating Twinkies, nothing else, just Twinkies. Wow. And, and he was successful because what he was able to prove was, look, a Twinkie is only like 150 calories. It's got a ton of processed, you know, junk in there and sugar and, you know, artificial sweeteners and everything like that. So it, it it's not good for you. But just on raw calorie count, I think a Twinkie is only 150 calories. So if you're trying to lose weight and go down to 1,500 calories a day, you eat 10 Twinkies. That's all you eat for the day. Nothing yeah. else. But you can lose weight. The oatmeal cream pie, I'm going to look this up very quickly. I'm gonna uh, get. I'm gonna take a stab at it. I'm gonna say yeah. an oatmeal cream pie is 320 calories. It, you're almost right on the number, 330. How about that? 330, almost right on the number. So if you're only having, how many do you think he's having a game? Two? The, I, I don't know. In that pile, there was about five. But let's let's okay. give him the benefit of the doubt is that that's sharing is yeah. eating them all himself. Let's say two is a fair number because those. And by the way, are... it's three thirty per serving, so I have to look that up too. Like I don't know if one pie is a serving or if two pies is a serving. But again, like let's say he's keeping it to six hundred sixty calories or lower for Jeff Rancourt. That's a half hour in the gym. 
Like that, that's no that's problem. That's you know, true. he he's, and his metabolism is probably such that, you know, that, that oatmeal cream pie just vanishes right away. You and I don't have the benefit of, uh, <laughs> I of would, the different core metabolism. So whatever again, little money I have in my savings, I would empty out to have that sort of metabolism. <laughs> it would be my dream. Yeah. So look, I mean, anything in moderation is going to be okay. Um, I, I just have a feeling that they are not slamming a box of oatmeal cream pies per game. I'd be very alarmed if they were. And by the way, shout out to those two, by the way. They sound great together in yep. a very short amount of time. Uh, Brandon Rodden's a really, really good announcer. I think he's perfect for baseball. I know he does the whole Madden thing. He did football for Georgia Tech. I, I think baseball is really his true calling. And his chemistry with, with Jeffrey and Core has been uh, – really impressive to see just how quickly that developed in such a short amount of time. I, I really have enjoyed watching those broadcasts. Yeah. The analogy that's always used in broadcasting is you want to sound like you're just having a conversation with your buddy at the bar. Exactly. And that's exactly yeah. what they sound like. And by the way, shout out, we haven't uh, done a podcast since, but shout out to Truist Park opening night there. Mike was in. Yeah. Insane. I saw you got to go. That's great. Insane. From the time we got into the battery to the time we left, I have never seen so many people packed into a single area in my entire life. And it was a little steamy. It was a little hot. It felt like a summer night at the park. Yeah. It was it was incredible. It was yeah. a really, really fun experience. So no, that's they, awesome. That's awesome. I mean, the the battery is there for a reason and they make great use of it on game days and non-game days both. But um, the at-stadium experience for the Braves has just improved exponentially since they moved from Turner Field. I mean, now you kind of look back on it. After experiencing Truist Park and the battery, you look back on it now and you understand, yeah, yeah, Turner Field, this time <laughs> had come and gone. Yes. And, uh and it, you're right. They, they do a terrific job up there at the battery. It's a very enjoyable experience. It's um, not inexpensive, but I think it's worth it. I think you get what you pay for. Oh, it was it was great. And that was my first opening day baseball game ever. No so, kidding, really? Yeah. So that, that, cool. was, that was just a terrific time. All right. To finish out the show here, Mike, imagine being recruited by the greatest to ever do what you do. So if Howard Stern or Mike Francesa, or Jim Rome, or you name your name your radio personality, Rush Limbaugh, called you, or called a friend of yours, actually, and said, you know, that Mike Conti and that Boom Yakamakis call, I want that guy as a, as a part of my team. I want, I want him to be a part of my squad. Well, that is exactly what happened with Paulo Bancaro, one of the young rising stars, in the NBA when he got recruited by the GOAT. Come true, like, that's all I can say. I mean, to take like, a quick story, before I even signed, when I was still deciding, um, it was really, it really came down to Jordan and Adidas, it was the final two. And uh, I remember I was at the airport and uh, Jamal Crawford, one of my big big brother. Shout out young yeah. mom. He calls me and he's like, P, how you been? Yeah, I hadn't talked to him in a little minute. I was like, I'm good. He was like, man, you know who just called me? I was like, man, who? He was like, man, MJ. He, called, he was like, he called me about you. He was like, man, he was like, first off, he don't ever call me. 
No, really anything. Like he don't. It's kind of hard to talk to him sometimes. He like, but he called me asking about you. You know, talking about how much he he, he like you like the game. He's like, man, you gotta sign with him. Like, it's a cold look. Like MJ gonna take care of you. He's family. Mm-hmm. Yada yada. And that did it for me. I mean, that's pretty awesome. You're a kid. You're 19, 20 years old, and one of your mentors in the game calls you and says, "Hey, you're never gonna believe who called me about you." Michael freaking Jeffrey Jordan. That's yeah. that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that would sell me too. That that is really amazing. Big Caro's probably gonna end up as rookie of the year. I think he should. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know really who else would be in that that conversation right now. Um but yeah, I mean it that is the ultimate ace in Nike's pocket anytime they're in a battle with any other shoe company. Um over a young basketball player. I mean, when you can call in Michael Jordan to close the deal, yeah. I mean, sorry, Adidas. Sorry, Reebok. That's going to be really, really tough to overcome. Yeah, I think um, that classifies in the no-brainer department if you're Bancaro, Um, especially because I I would think being so young, you can – if he ascends to the level that Michael Jordan apparently thinks he could – you know, guys like Kyrie Irving and the like were supposed to be the next generation to reshape the brand and reshape the image. And if you have an opportunity to be that guy for the Jordan brand, I mean, not, I mean, the money's going to be the money regardless. But when these guys all sit around and you hear that was on the uh, Players Tribune podcast, by the way. So shout out to that. That's a really good podcast, by the way. Um, you hear all these guys talk about their legacy. And you hear all these guys talk about building their brand and building their image and building a sustainable, you know, almost like a community around them of side projects and art and music and entertainment. Imagine being the face of Jordan brand and you're 23 years old and three years from now and you're ascended to that level. I mean, I know a lot of these athletes are now trying to do their own thing where they come up with you know, the, the Kyrie Irving ones or the KD ones or whatever. But, you know, if Paulo Bancaro wants to take that route and he becomes that type of player. I mean, you want to talk about a legacy, Mike? That's that's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And I think it to your point, I think that really speaks to um, how wise Bancaro was through that whole process and, and just how um, intelligently he approached everything. Now you have Wemby coming up. And uh, oh, yeah. there's going to be a whole nother battle. I mean, Wemby, according to some, best draft prospect since LeBron James, um, you know, it, it and very unique, like not really comparable to LeBron or anyone else. Uh, basically, this seven-foot-tall extraterrestrial who shoots like Curry. Um, you know, that's going to be the next shoe battle, and I'm sure Jordan's going to be right there in the midst of that. And we'll see uh, how Wemby uh deals with all that compared to Paulo Bancaro. But I, I thought uh that it, first of all, you're right, very good podcast. Uh and secondly, just shout out to Paulo Bencaro for making a really well reasoned, smart decision and following the advice of his crew. Yeah. Um I, I never did because I'm sure you're gonna say the same thing as me. I just can't rock them. I would look no. like a yeah. fool trying to wear the you never got into the whole basketball no. sneaker trend no. no a little when i was a little kid like it, it i loved the nike air bows and i actually saw someone wearing those a couple weeks ago <laughs> and got really excited 
Um, like the Nike Air Bows, I really liked. Um, the Reebok pumps when I was mm. a kid, I really liked those, but only because I just love the idea of the pump. I mean, it, and I still looked ridiculous. Like I'm wearing high tops going into a grocery store. It doesn't make sense. So, uh, no, I, I, because of that, I don't really collect or wear high top sneakers for, for people who, you know, everyone has their vices and everyone has their things that they're into for those who get into that game. That is an expensive habit. Yes, it is. These apps. I know, uh, you know, our former colleague, Hugh Douglas, at yep. uh, towards the end of his tenure here at 929 got really into the sneakers app and basically you get drawn into a lottery and if you win you get the shoes but the the shoes are 350 400 500 for a pair of sneakers and you couldn't catch me spending that much money that's how much money i spend on a suit like conti never mind, <laughs> never, mind a, never mind a pair of sneakers uh, all right, that'll do it for this edition of the Off Air Podcast. Give me a follow at C Thomas Radio. Follow Mike Conti, Mike Con, Mike Conti, Mike Conti, the head honcho, Mike Conti nine two nine. It is a Monday morning after all. I've been called worse. Don't yeah, worry about it. And we, we all make mistakes. All right, we'll talk to you guys in a couple of.